Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast with Steve Allen and Michael Butner on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. We're live from Wyong Golf Course, the club that's celebrating its centenary. And we'll have an absolute legend of this club joining us shortly, Dave McClellan. Uh, firstly, thank you to the guy alongside me, Valentine Holmes, technician extraordinaire, and also the guru, Gary Birkinshaw, for holding the fort for the last fortnight. Mate, stellar job. We actually, can you believe what a sports nerd I am? We were listening live from the Sunshine Coast this time last week. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Welcome back, Steve, too. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Uh, we really missed you for those like, those couple of weeks and glad you are able to still uh, listen to the show whilst you're on uh, the Sunshine Coast, mate. So glad you tuned in. Shout out to for Julian King. What a class act he is. Oh, he's a legend. He is really, really good. It <laughs> makes it so easy to work for it, uh, working out of Sydney uh, by, the, by the video screen, but no, a real professional. Yeah, I tell you, he's flawless. Uh, morning to the boys who are walking past. Uh, we just heard there's been a, a hole in one here this week. They rang the bell. Rang the bell. And that's very exciting for the people who are in the in the clubhouse. They, uh, they sit around just waiting for the bell to be rung. But now hole in one, you go <laughs> ring the bell, and the, the club will put on free drinks for anyone who's in the club for half an hour. So, and it's always good when the chairman does it. What about the week for you? Uh, watching the Aussies, I th it was Thursday night, and. Just amazing. I think they were four down early, weren't they, the South Africans? And give us your thoughts. Yeah, look, I think they did very, very well early. I think their fielding was on and, and they just bowled really well and took their chances and, and really were able to strangle South Africa, who, credit to themselves through David Miller's century, were able to get to 205, which... The way the tournament's gone doesn't seem like a lot of runs. There's been a real lot of runs scored in this tournament. But on the wicket that was there, turned. But I think the other important part was that the partnership that Warner and Head got us off to, 60 off six overs, really got the, you know, really got the run rate up and flowing. And we're always going to struggle through the middle order just when they brought their spinners on, because that was the type of wicket it was. But when we had that, we would never ever had the, the run rate pressure on, so we were able to absorb the, the, good, uh, the good bowling and get over the line. Without being too negative, the shot by Labashane. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, like we're yeah, in control. Yeah. Well, was his shot any worse than Steve Smith's? That's, that's the same one there, but you go about the reverse sweep. It's a, it's a shot they play now. It, it, it's just like, for the professional cricketers now who are playing white ball cricket, that is just like your cover drive now. Everyone learns it, everyone plays it, take the good with the bad. Were you always confident we needed 39 off 100? Oh, never, never confident, no, because, you know, when you've still got, when, when you're looking at the 9 and 10s, Zamper and Hazelwood, um, no recognised batsman there. Pat Cummins has been in some some great partnerships you know, in, throughout this tournament. And no, so definitely not confident. But like I said, when there's no run rate pressure and the spinners bowled out, that sort of made it a little bit easier. Before we roll in the audio, talk to me more about Travis Head, man of the match. Yeah, look, his return has been unbelievable. Coming back from a, from a broken hand to, to come back and done what he's done. Uh, the top of order, he just really sets momentum. And we've spoken about this before, Steve, is that all our momentum from our batting comes from the top through Warner, Head and Marsh. If they don't don't come off, well, then all of a sudden we struggle to really to really lift the run rate and get the, the big total. But Travis Head's been coming in and his ability to hit the ball from ball one um, is just an amazing, uh, amazing gift that he's got. But obviously in South Africa, he, his contribution with the ball, I think, was probably equally as good. And I don't think they've used him a lot with the ball. I think he's probably been under-bowled, if, if anything else. But, you know, he's a wicket-taker when he bowls. We 
around about five weeks ago, we were in a massive hole. Now suddenly, the five-time world champions are into their eighth World Cup final. It's monumental, isn't it? Yeah, I think we'll probably take some credit for that too, Steve, because we gave them a fair roasting here on Saturdays <laughs> on the coast. No doubt, no doubt they were listening as well, like you were on the, the Sunshine Coast. But no, they, they have a habit of doing that, don't they? they? They go down, they start slow, and then they've got to win a lot of games in a row. Everyone starts talking them off. But they are a side that when they get on a roll... They're very, very hard to beat. We'll talk more as the show unfolds. We're waiting on Dave McClellan to join us. He's been over there shaking hands and kissing babies. But but we'll talk more about the Indians because a couple of centuries, no surprise, Coley, but uh, Gill unbeaten on 80. You were just saying to me off the air about Charmy. So he's taken seven again, seven for 57. Yeah, off in, in a 10-over. That's the third time in this tournament he's taken five wickets or more in an inning, which for a bowler is phenomenal. If you do that once in your career, you're doing quite well. But he's just ability and the wickets that he gets. And the number of wickets also, so he's got off his first ball. It's just um, he's an incredible bowler. And, yeah, they are an incredible side. Hey, just before we get to Dave, let's roll in the highlights. So this is massive. Back at headquarters, we've got Blake Fafaro steering the ship and we've got some highlights from the Aussies' win against South Africa. Two to win. Cummins with a short ball. Guides it away through point to the boundary. The captain with the winning runs. A nervy chase for Australia. Successfully navigated. And off to another World Cup final. It's a further haunting night for South Africa at the hands of Australia. But the 2023 World Cup final will be a heavyweight encounter as Australia books its place alongside India. The victory margin is three wickets. And it's the captain who does the honours. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, Jared calling the action, and we've got the final tomorrow night on SEN. So, coverage starts from 7 o'clock. The best caller in the business, Jared Waitley, tomorrow night, and India up against Australia. Let's welcome in Dave McClelland uh, to the microphone. Great to see you, mate. Uh, congratulations, and uh, it was you that rang the bell. Yes, I rang the bell on uh, Wednesday with a hole-in-one, but uh, the members enjoyed that thoroughly. They love their free drinks here at Wyong. Yeah, I bet they do. Uh, just off to our left, uh, looking very colourful. What's the story here? The course is actually in great condition. Um, it has been now for about 12, 15 months, and we've had pro events and everything like that, and they just love it out here. It's, the greens are just so good. Is it fancy dress day, day though? Well, there, we do have one gentleman out there that, honestly, I think you need dark sunglasses on, but that's normal dress for him. It's a bit of a worry. And uh, a great week for you on numerous levels. Can you elaborate? You're at Flemington as well. Yes, I was lucky enough to own a small share of Imperatriz when she won the champion sprint down there in Flemington last uh, Saturday. And then um, that was quite a celebration. Talk us about the final moments of that race. And were you like a jockey on the sideline? I don't think anybody would ever call me a jockey. Uh, that could be stretching the mark. But let's put it this way. I was riding at home very strongly. <laughs> Uh, look, uh, Dave, it's been a big week. It's been a big, big couple of months in preparation. But next Saturday night, a, a magnificent occasion for the club celebrating their centenary. Yeah, 100 years for Wyong Golf Club in all its guises and places and everything like that. That's extraordinary because it is a community golf club. The whole community loves coming here. And that's what it's all about, 100 years. You told us a moment ago, so the club wasn't always, or the course wasn't always where we're standing right now. No, not always. It was paddocks, there was Gaha paddocks, and then there was also a portion of the time when it was right in the middle of the race course. Um, so we're, we're very strongly tied to the race course in that regard. 
And obviously you've got a relationship with council, so the council actually owned the course with the, with the rice mile you've got on your face there. And uh, and, and so and the golf club itself, it, it owns the, the clubhouse and some of the car park, is that right? Yes, what happened was, I think in the 60s, uh, the course was owned by the club and the clubhouse land was owned by the council. So for a one-pound swap, uh, the council now has land, which is part of the community, and the clubhouse owns, is owned by the club itself. It's staggering, isn't it? A one-pound swap. Uh, Gary asked a great question off the air. Who are some of the great players that have come through here, male and female? Well, at the moment, we've got four people that are Australian representatives. The most recent is Louise Mullard, who is now off to uh, Vietnam to play in the Asia-Pacific Senior Championship. And even our greenkeeper, he just represented Australia at Oztag in Ireland. So they're our most two, two recent Australian representatives. Yeah, so you, you spoke earlier about you know, to have be here for 100 years is, is a fantastic achievement. Obviously, there's big challenges in, in, in running golf clubs now. What are some of those, Dave, that you've had to overcome? Well, the important thing around here is because we're near the swamp area, uh, maintaining our course when it rains, and we've had some pretty bad rain over the last couple of years. But, you know, that's half of it. But before you actually step on a golf course, it's cost $1.2 million at least to maintain it. Yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing, amazing number. So how many members we've got here at the moment, Dave? We've got about 3,500 members in total, of 1,000 of which are golfing members. So if you equate that 1.2 million to the 1,000 golfing members, that's a lot of money each. Well, what about tournaments that you've held over the years? Because this is a championship course. We've most recently held the Legends Pro-Am here with the likes of uh, Pete Fowler, Peter O'Malley, Paul Gow, who you'd know very well, um, and all those players, and uh, they, they raved about the course. That was a good little Pro-Am for us here. So the centenary next Saturday night, Dave, what, what can we expect? Well, if you turn up on next Saturday night, what are we going to expect to see? Well, we've got a uh, very well-known presenter, uh, Mr Dado. I think everybody would know, would know him through various means. He's a golfer at Long Reef. Uh, but also, I've just had a look at the, um, the food canapes that are coming. Our new chef is going to make that. You're going to be outstanding with that food. And don't forget, if you enjoy, do enjoy a drink, please don't drive because it's all free. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you said a moment ago about, I know you've been looking at the honour board out there, but um, you've got a lot of life members and some of them will be in attendance? Yes, we've got seven life members, six men and uh, one lady who is st uh, thankfully still alive. We did have a 92-year-old former president, Barry Herbert, who was going to drive down from the Gold Coast. Unfortunately, though, his wife died last month, so he's, he's deferred. But it would have been great to see Barry come down. And you've also been able to acquire some fantastic memorabilia over the time that's going to be on display as well. I've seen some photos here I think some members don't want to see. Um, <laughs> the 1970s outfits are not necessarily that good for golf. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I really love some of the history around our clubs on the Central Coast. And, you know, I read with interest about Maury Breen and what a legend he is with the Wyong Rugby League Club. And, you know, who are some of the people that deserve a mention today? Well, you, you go right back to the, the, the likes of uh, Ted Freeman and all that sort of thing. They are just great. They, they built this course by hand, and that's what it's all about. It's just they built the course. They built all three courses. And even at the most recent one, John Elder, who's our historian, he knows everything about this course. It's just unbelievable. So 100 years, fantastic. Moving forward, Dave, what can we expect to see from the club over the next 10 years? Well, we've, we've got some major projects, whether it be Craig Parry, who's redesigning part of our golf course, which is really nice. Um, our greenkeeper shed is, is looking a little bit tired at the moment. It needs to be a bit of work done. So our main aim over the next sort of 10 years is all capital improvements. Yes, the council own the land, but this is part of the community. We want to keep improving it.
Yeah, and since we've been coming here, so the pro shop's been done, I guess, what, 18 months ago? But it just looks magnificent. And you said about it being a community club. When I walked in this morning, I thought every day down the golf course is a great day, isn't it? Absolutely, because not only is it a healthy environment, you're out in the open, there's no smoke or anything like that at all. You're walking around. But more importantly, if you think about it from a mental health point of view, golf was part of what COVID was. We were out here trying to help with people with their mental health as well. What's what's the track like in terms, like I know Morissette's no longer there. That's become like a development site, hasn't it? But that was one of the longest tracks in New South Wales. What about Wyong? What are some of the features for someone that hasn't been here? Look, it's past 71, rated 72 at 6,000 metres long. It's what I call a really good, solid golf course. It's not your championship one where all the pros are going to be hitting balls miles. You wouldn't want Tiger Woods here, for example. But as a golf course, it's a really good, solid test of golf. One thing I also know, like about the club here too, Dave, you've got your members, we've got over 1,000 golfing members, but it doesn't prevent a social player coming on and playing. You know, we're, we're open, you mentioned community a number of times, and on the golf course, you know, if you want to come and have a game of golf, Wyong welcomes you with open arms. Absolutely. We only had to look at it this morning. There was a couple of gentlemen just sitting next to me there before. They'd played their nine holes of golf. They had their can of Coke after their game of golf. And they were going home to see their wives and, and that sort of stuff. Nine holes of golf on a Saturday morning, that's perfect. And you can play in the afternoon as well after the competition. That's almost unheard of, getting yeah. on a local course on a Saturday morning. Dave, uh, congratulations, mate. Next week, uh, we wish you all the very best for the centenary celebrations. Any final words? Tickets are still available. If any of our members want to come along, we're happy to have them along. You'll enjoy the night. Yeah, congratulations, too, on the ace uh, and also on the uh, big win at Flemington as well. Yeah, we're going to be able... And this is going to be a great for our show. We're going to be able to uh, watch Dave tee off in about uh, 10, 15 minutes as well. So we'll, so you'll be able to call that, Steve, one of the best in the business. So yeah, you'll be yeah. right. Look forward to it as he makes his uh, slow-motion approach to the first tee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fantastic stuff. Thanks, mate. Dave McClellan joining us. Uh, coming up soon... Well, we're going to talk about some of the great moments of 2023. And Gaz, you're wearing your Richmond Tigers training shirt this morning. But we'll talk about Collingwood's win against Brisbane in the AFL Grand Final in 2023. Troy Luff coming up just after 9.30. 10 o'clock this morning. Now, this guy is, uh, I mean, just an absolute legend. Pat Farmer joining us. He did the run for The Voice. Now, the Yes campaign didn't get up. But what a journey he went on. Over 14,000 kilometres just an absolute icon of long-distance running and can't wait to hear some of his stories about what he saw on the road. And, you know, plenty of people rallied behind him regardless of which way they were going to vote. He had a lot of people run with him and he finished at Uluru. And then Tony Clark coming up uh, to talk about the great moments in rugby league in 2023 and the unbelievable comeback from the Penrith Panthers when it looked like Brisbane would win their first grand final since 2006. This is Saturdays on the Coast, our final show of 2023, live from Wyong Golf Course on SEN. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Welcome back. Welcome to the weekend. Hope you're having a great time so far. And uh, final show of 2023, we just watched Dave McClelland tee off at Wyong, where we're broadcasting live. And... I just said, Gary, my observation, not a whole lot can go wrong with that swing. It's a short little backswing. And then, then he turned and gave us like the finger in the air salute that he's pretty pleased with his opening tee shot. Yeah, look, it was, uh, it was a very good shot too. Well down there and nice opening. Got another tee shot now. 
Well, that one's got a little left. Not too, not too bad, though. Good start there. Maybe, maybe what about the technology in golf where they track the ball, like when you're watching the Pro Tour? That's amazing, is it? They're just so good now. that the, the visuals they have on the golf is just amazing. And uh, it just gives you that, that extra insight into it. But you can walk into the pro shop there. Right there now, they've got a simulator in there. And you can just have a swing and it'll tell you your ball speed, <laughs> swing speed, everything you want. Yeah. So it's amazing, that the track man they have. Troy Luff just after 9.30. Pat Farmer at 10. Tony Clark at 10.20. Uh, talking highlights of the year. What about for you, Gaz? I, I know you've got... Uh, I mean, you were talking off the air about uh, some of the great moments, and you said it was the year for the women. Yeah, I reckon the women dominated the, the year as well. Yeah, when you look at the the netball, for example, like they won everything. There wasn't they, they won the fast five last last week as well. So they won fast five, the World Cup, the Quad Cup, the Constellation Cup, South African Series, the Commonwealth Youth Games. Like they won everything. The trophy cabinet is absolutely swelling, and they're not sure that they got any money to build a trophy cabinet at the moment but anyway they've had a good year the cricketers won the the, the world t20 world cup you know, in, in south africa retained the ashes as well so they've had a good good series as well name names from that team from the ashes who, who did really well well, well you could name everyone but... yeah yeah but uh, look, ash gardner is, is a premier cricketer in world women cricket she is i reckon she would be arguably the, the biggest box office there is with both both bat and ball uh, beth mooney at the top of the order you know a, a fantastic opening battle, Alyssa Healy, Elise Perry, but they've got some good Annabelle Sutherland's coming, some good young players coming there, Talia McGrath, so there's plenty of good ones there, and unfortunately they lost one of their elite last week, we spoke about on the air in Meg Lanning announcing her retirement after 8,000 runs at you know at international level, so so they've done exceptionally well, women's cricketers, and they, they just continue to keep going on. The women's big bash is going on at the moment. And, and what they do too is they've laid the foundations for the next generation, and you see that at grassroots level here on the Central Coast. We do. Like We've got a female pathway here. There's a big story done by Cricket New South Wales just this week on female cricket and how Central Coast is leading the way. And uh, If you're playing female cricket on the Central Coast now, you can actually play from the beginning till the end um, without having to play in a, in a mixed competition. Ironically, enough, last week we've had 12 women named in the New South Wales over-40s cricket side. Like, that is, is unheard of. You know, women playing, you know, you talk about a junior level coming through, but these ladies have just come in, haven't played cricket probably until half a dozen years ago. They probably played as young, but half a dozen years ago when we introduced a, an expanded female competition, they've all come back in, and now they're representing New South Wales at over-40s. OK, so the Nepal Diamonds, the Australian women's cricket team. Yep, and but go right back to the swimming. In Fukuoka, like the women dominated there, and yeah, you're looking at Molly Callahan, Ariane Titmus, Kayla McEwen. This the year that she has a backstroke, she's holding all three world indoor, broke them all in one. So it was a fantastic what what they did as as a side. Molly Picklem in the surfing, like she's just she's been such a she's a world class surfer now. Made the finals of, of the the world swimming uh, surfing league. So. A fantastic job that she's done. And the Matildas. Can't forget the Matildas. Yeah, I'm uh, off to a 60th birthday tonight. And mm -hmm. I think I'm hoping that Molly Picklin might be there uh, because she knows the, uh, the birthday boy very well. Yeah. But, you know, to run fifth, uh, it's a great story. And I think Jeffrey's Bay this year mm -hmm. was the best women's surfing I've ever seen. Yeah. And Molly makes the final there. You know, I think she's taking the sport to the next level. Not just Molly, but a whole group of young women that are on the surge at the moment. And we are seeing, I mean, Carissa Moore, still brilliant, but we're seeing the changing of the guard, aren't we? So, Steph Gilmore, originally, 
but now Molly's off to the Olympics. Yeah. She will be in, well, technically she'll be in Paris, but it's being held at Chopu. Yeah, and which is a fantastic achievement. But Molly's now inspiring young female surfers on the Central Coast. Not not only in Australia, but on the Central Coast. You're seeing that through 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 your role in, in the media that you play. And there's a young lady that I can't remember her name. That Talia Tab. Yeah, what a fantastic, what an inspiration that Molly has been to her. And what they realise now is that, that they can achieve their dream. Like it, it, It's always been their dream. But when you see someone like Molly who actually achieved it from the Central Coast, you actually think it is touchable now. Mm. And the other thing too is where our football players are protected from the media... A lot of the sports like surfing, they're raw and they're real. So when you actually hear them interviewed, and Molly's sponsored by Red Bull, you get some fantastic insight. And they don't talk in cliches. I mean, straight after their heat, they might, when they're walking up the beach. But outside of that, you see some of the best interviews. And same with some of the swimmers. Uh, I know they're tightly managed from a media perspective, but, yeah, they're still... They're not talking in cliches, and sometimes you get some real gold poolside, don't you? You certainly do. And the other thing I think to remember, Steve, is that with the swimmers, with Molly, with all that, and those those sports there, is that they're actually se- they, every time they get a microphone in front of them, they're actually selling themselves. There's not the big corporations behind them that they actually go out and they have to do their own publicity and uh, and networking and everything like that. So they see it as an opportunity that I'm going to get the big sponsor. Gee, that's a good point, because if you go back to when Nate Fife won his last Brownlow, if you look at his speech, so after he's done the preamble with the host, who I think was Hamish, after that, I've studied this speech, he spends the next minute talking about his corporate partners Yes. before he mentions anyone else. And then he mentions the 10 players that were also on the leaderboard with him that night, and he named them all individually. Yeah. But first, so he realises that he's a brand within himself. And uh, I know Blake back at headquarters, he's a West Coast fan, so he's probably not enjoying us talk about Nate Fife winning his second Brownlow. Uh, you mentioned about the Matildas. Wow, the greatest sporting event of 2023, in my opinion, unless it's trumped tomorrow night by the Aussies winning the World Cup. But, I mean, it was just mind-blowing. Sell-out stadiums absolutely everywhere. The Matildas run fourth, and Spain deserved champions, but what a tournament. Yeah, that was, that was an amazing month, wasn't it, to be perfectly honest. That just transfixed the whole country, the Matildas. And I know from a club perspective here, you know, we had big signs out the front whenever they were playing. And yeah, everyone bought into it, didn't they? they just got, you know, whether you like football or not, everyone just bought into what they were doing. And when, when you sit back and go, well, they, did. they won three, lost three, but it was more than that. It was more than the school. And they actually, you know, they put women's football on the map. And probably the only disappointing thing that gets me, Steve, is that we've gone from that and... Now, is football any further advanced now than, than what it was before? Then I think they played. They played when they come back and played. Uh, once again, in Perth, they once again still at stadium. But the Socceroos played not long after that, and wouldn't, they played Mexico, which is a huge game in itself, and you know barely raised a ripple in, in the country, which is it was disappointing. Yeah, yeah, and the theatre that was around Sam Kerr yes. at, the, at the time, and then finally she you know makes her first appearance from a calf muscle injury. But you can name all of the women in that team and. And talk about laying a foundation for generations to come. But, uh, yeah, Mary Fowler, one of my favourites. Just a fantastic tournament. We fell just short. Probably just lacked that little bit of class in the final third, do you think? 
Yeah, I think I think we did. I think our our connection probably wasn't wasn't that great. I, I, Sam wasn't all that fit. She did a fantastic job to get out, and then she well, just by the amount of football that she's missed over in Europe, it's just testament to the, the the trouble that she had with her calf. But yeah, probably, and, and the expectation of well, I think that that sort of built up a little bit as well. You know, the further you got, the further you got. You know, yeah, the prime minister, you know, we should be having a public holiday and all this type of stuff, and they hadn't even they were in the quarterfinals or something like that. But I think you talk about uh, the best example that, that I. I've got is that you talk about the other become household names. It's my daughter, you know, she's she's 21 now and doesn't really, I think, you know, really follow football to, to a certain degree. But she could name just about all the Matilda players by the end of the tournament, which is and she even now she still names. You know, she looks at oh yeah, so and so played for Arsenal or whatever. So she's followed them on to where they to where they go. So you know, it's they transfix the nation and um, and hopefully. That's just the tip of the iceberg of where we'll go from here. Yeah, absolutely. This is Saturdays on the Coast, live from Wyong Golf Course. Beautiful day here. A few clouds, but lots of blue sky, and the course looks absolutely superb. Off to the news. We're back soon with Troy Love to talk about his highlights from the 2023 Toyota AFL season. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast with Steve Allen and Michael Butner on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Welcome back live from Wyong Golf Course. Steve Allen, Gary Birkinshaw, and final show of 2023. We've got to thank our... Our much-loved sponsors, Robson Civil Projects, over 60 years of just incredible work here on the Central Coast, but also in Newcastle, uh, in Sydney as well. Massive infrastructure projects. Uh, Dubbo and also a place that we absolutely love, Mudgee. Uh, thanks to the team at Robson Civil Projects, Grant Robson, Greg Ferguson, Daniel Bosley, the entire team there. Uh, also, speaking of Daniel Bosley, Slime Sports Store, we love them with Steve-O Sports Person of the Week, which started back in March. And, of course, Whitey's Right Price Tyres. What an absolute legend Mark Whitehead is. We thank all of them for their support in 2023. Yeah, look, without them, you can't, you can't run the show. And you, know, you look at them, they're not only um, good supporters of our show, but they're very, very good supporters of the community in general. And a lot of, a lot of money they put towards good honest um, projects around the, and, and um, causes around the coast is you know, just a full credit to themselves. Hey, Gaz, uh, we're on standby. We're waiting for Troy Luff in a few moments' time. I can't believe that news I'm hearing this morning about Everton being deducted points. And you said maybe Chelsea too at some point. Yeah, so there's been a big investigation during the World, by, World Week by the Sun newspaper over in England, and they don't get get much wrong. They under undercover investigators, and they've found that uh, that Chelsea over the over a period of, of years have uh, allegedly um, overpaid or underdeclared some player payments under the financial fairness. I think is what they call it over there. So. At first, I've actually really heard of Everton. I didn't even know they were being investigated, but to find out this morning that they've been deducted 10 points, and unfortunately, Everton haven't got 10 points to spare that they can afford to have that deducted. So it could have huge ramifications for Everton if they end up being relegated. And for Chelsea, well, you know, they, them to lose 10... If they lose a similar point, I don't know whether they will. They reckon they're more likely to lose points and suffer financial sanctions. Um, and once again, if Everton lose 10 points, well, there's a precedent that's going to be set, so... Um, it'll be interesting to see what eventuates. Well, Everton at the moment sitting on 14 points. Uh, Chelsea just a couple of points above them at the moment. But it, during the week, I think Blake might have this back at headquarters. I actually know someone that was at this game. Uh, Lucas McAway and his new wife, Chelsea. So not surprisingly, they're Chelsea fans. And they are at the bridge for this 
epic clash. Let's roll in some of the highlights. Down he goes! Penalty! Armando Broja has been brought on. Palmer makes it 4-4. And the referee blows the full-time whistle. A classic. Chelsea 4. Manchester City 4. So there we go. Highlights from an absolute classic for all. What a game to go to if that's your first Premier League match. Oh, you just want to keep going, wouldn't you? Yeah, what a huge game that was. And, uh, and, and it was a thrilling contest. Yeah, to get eight goals in, in, a, in a Premier League game. Um, yeah, it would have been brilliant atmosphere to be there. Um, especially being a Chelsea supporter. Yeah, Gaz, uh, since I've been away, uh, Tottenham have dropped a couple, haven't they? They have, but... Um, it probably wasn't unexpected, really. Like, I think if you're a Tottenham supporter now, looking back and saying, well, you know, after 10 games, yeah, we'd be sitting where we are, six wins, two, two losses and two draws, you'd be, be quite happy with that. Injuries have played a, a key part. And Ange has been very big with this. It's going to take more than one transfer to, to sort all this out. And they've lost injuries to, to some key players. Um, and now they're back to probably to where they would be expected to be. So, look, yeah, there's going to be potholes... He'll, he'll turn them around. They're playing an attractive brand of football. So, you know, when you play an attractive brand of football, you get a lot more leeway, I think, than, um, than probably the, the pressure that would be applied if they're playing a, a, a stale and boring game. Well, I think you're right. I think Tottenham fans would take top four at this stage of the season every day of the week. They've only had the two losses the entire season, sitting on 26 points. And, you know, just a couple off Manchester City who are on top of the table and the champions. Yeah, and look, I, I don't think anyone said that Tottenham were going to win the, win the league. You know, to be perfect. You know, they, most people before the season started had them finishing probably bottom half, probably even just pushing above relegation. And they said that Ange wouldn't last the season. So to sit where they are now, they've got a nice, uh, a nice start. They've obviously got to, to build on that. But I don't think they're... They're at the same level as your, your cities and your Liverpools and, and your Arsenal, the, the top, the top teams at this stage. But um, as I said, that sit where they are after 10 games. I think they'd be quite happy with that. Gaz, we're hoping we get Troy Love shortly, but uh, let's talk about the AFL Grand Final. Like I said, uh, Gary's got his Richmond Tigers training shirt on this morning. Looks like he ran into work from his home base in uh, you Springfield or Niagara, 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 Niagara Park and. The, the, the draft's on Monday night, so I'm just sort of waiting for the name to be called out. I've just got the gear on just in, just in case. i let them know I'm still available. Yeah, so Gaz, uh, 100,024 at the G. Yeah. And Collingwood, 12, 18, 90 to 13, 8, 86. You know, we thought they might go out in the prelim up against the Giants when Toby Green has a snap and Steel Sidebottom is there right on the line to save the day for Collingwood and they get the job done in 2023. Where does it rate rank for you as a grand final? Um, yeah, look, it's a, it's a really good grand final. Like, it's hard to rate grand finals. You know, it's, yeah, it had a lot in it, this grand final, and, um, yeah, probably one of those grand finals where you look over the course of the game, and, and Collingwood were probably the most, dom the most dominant side for most of the game, and, but Brisbane hung in there, hung in there, hung in there, and, and look, to be honest, they probably had chances late, late in the game where you thought, gee, they might just get over the line here and, and win the premiership, but over the last two years, Collingwood are the kings of close finishes and they get over the top more often than not and full credit to Craig McRae and the side. They were, and they were the best team all year for the majority of the season and, uh, and thoroughly deserve their premierships, albeit the Lions were very, very gallant in defeat. They 
join a couple of legendary clubs as well, Essendon and Carlton, now with 16 flags apiece. Yeah, yeah. look, they are, they're a fantastic club, have been for a very long time. You know, the, the, the team you either love or hate, aren't they? That's, that's <laughs> they are. I think, although, as you're saying, I think Craig McRae's uh, probably changed that a little bit. And, and you know, the, the other thing you look at is the couple of things that got me is obviously the captaincy uh, of Darcy Moore. The way he speaks and the way he leads is, is phenomenal. And, and I don't think I've ever, ever seen in my time a effectively a, a season two that, that Nick Dacos had. Um, probably would have won the Brownlow if he didn't get hurt. And this for a second-year player to come on the scene. Everyone said he, he, was, he, was, he could play and everyone was waiting for him. I already get tagged. He won't touch it. He does this. And he's just phenomenal in all parts of the ground. And um, oh, look, he's a special player. It's staggering when you hear that, you know, he got more votes than what his dad got. I think his dad only got like 12 votes in his prime. And... Yeah, his dad was just an absolute superstar. Probably different players, I suppose. It, it just goes back to show even you look at those those you know, elusive forwards, you know, which is what his, his father was. They had pole many votes in the Brownlow as well, while Nick was more in the cold face across, cross half back through the midfield. So to me, there was no surprise there. But um, I'm not sure he's as good as his dad yet. I don't think... I, I, yeah, the, the, you, you'll judge that at the end of the career because it comes a lot to do with longevity. Um, and, and Nick's had a, had a good season. He probably have plenty more good season, but his father was was a legend of the game. We mentioned about the Giants. Bobby Hill gets the Norm Smith. What a season for him. What a player. Yeah, without doubt. And those four goals were pivotal. I think it was one of those grand finals, though, where was it, no one really stood out. Yeah, it was a lot of even play, but Bobby Hill's four goals in the first half was certainly put them onto road to, to victory and, um, yeah, thoroughly deserved. You, uh, you mentioned about... Uh, Darcy Moore, mm. in my business where I coach people on public speaking, mm. Darcy's Anzac Day speech, yep. in my opinion, is the best sporting speech of 2023, hands down. Some of the facts and figures he rolled in about the Anzacs and about servicemen and women uh, that have served previously and are currently serving was magnificent in front of a sellout crowd at the MCG. Need to go to a break here. We'll come back in a few moments' time. Troy Luff is waiting. We'll talk more about the AFL season right after this on SEN. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast with Steve Allen and Michael Butner on SEN Track. Hey, good morning. Welcome back live from Wyong Golf Course, our final show of 2023. And let's get straight down to business with a legend, former Sydney Swan and nowadays commentator, standing ovation for the great Troy Luff. Good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. Morning, Steve. Morning, Gary. Hope we're all well. Yeah, great to have you on, mate. And let's talk about your highlights of 2023. We spoke about an epic grand final in front of over 100,000 at the G in Collingwood getting the job done against Brisbane by four points. But how about for you? Oh, look, I think the best team of the season won. They, they were the most consistent team. They, they proved week in, week out that they can win games from you know, positions where you'd think they'd lost. They, they had a great record at coming from behind in the last quarter. Uh, to Brisbane, you know, they had a good season. Making the grand final, they had their chances to win it. Like, once they got in front late in that last quarter... It was like, they're going to win this. And then within 20 seconds to go, he gets them back in front, the pies back in front. Um, a, a stupid 50-metre penalty. I think it was Berry that, uh, that gave a 50-metre away to kick the goal. And uh, 
that was the game over. And I, he's going to regret that decision um, he made. It was, it was just stupid. Blayton throw into the ground after he'd taken a mark. It was stupid. But the good thing is, it was a great grand final. It was even for most of the day. As you said, 100-plus thousand people. And, you know, we've had some good grand finals recently, and that was probably one of the best. Yeah, Luffy, mate, obviously uh, the GWS Giants, new coach at the beginning of the year, and Adam Kingsley, they certainly uh, got a lot of support, didn't they? A lot of people jumped on the, the bandwagon as their, their push to make a, another grand final was on, and they just come up just one game short, but what a fantastic season they had. They did. They had a really good year. They started off very slowly. Uh, they were you know, in the bottom eight for most of the first half of the year, and then Slow, they picked up and won, then won again and won again. All of a sudden, they win six, seven in a row, and they kept going. And yeah, you know, they've got a very good side, and they're well coached by Adam Kingsley, who, who took over at the start of the season. And and it just it, it means there's a, a lot of future now for the for the Giants. And the thing is with the Giants, they get so many good players that start at the Giants and then leave. There's a team of Giants out there in the AFL that would be a top eight side playing for other clubs. They just <laughs> Unfortunately, the budget means they just can't hang on to all those good players. But the ones like the Greens and Lockie Whitfield and Cornelios that have stuck around, um, you know, obviously they're, they're coming towards the end of their career. So the new batch of young blokes need to come through now. Luffy, in your opinion, who were the most improved players or the revelations of 2023? Oh, I mean, obviously Nick Dacos was fantastic this year for a... Yeah, guy, a guy like that that comes into the league and can just be an absolute standout straight away. And both Josh and Nick Dacos are just fantastic players. And you know, at such a young age, Errol Goulden for me, as for the whole league, was the most outstanding, most improved player. He, his commitment and dedication on the footy field. Now, obviously, his first couple of years. It takes a while to build up that match fitness that you need to be a number one on baller. He's done that. When you watch him play, he's at one contest. He'll kick the ball. He'll sprint to the next contest and get there before his opponent. Then he'll go to the next contest, and he goes for the whole game. And like Honestly, he should have got three votes in the last game of the year. He had 40-plus possessions, got one vote, and that would have put him equal or won the Brownlow medal. Yeah, what a fantastic, fantastic season he has, and what a... Yeah, it's a, it a great story, and I think his best football is still ahead of him. Obviously, we um, we hey, lost. Hey, Gaz, sorry to interrupt. When uh, Luffy described that, a bit different to us when we all played, where you'd lumber from contest to contest. <laughs> <laughs> he's running like a Usain Bolt to the next contest. He's, uh, that... he's rare. Players, there's just not many players that do what he does. He's just, and as Gaz said, he's only been there for a couple of years. He's got a lot more better footy to come. Obviously, Luffy, yeah, we, we, we talk about the rising stars coming through, but obviously we, we lost a, a lot of champions during the year, retired, none, none bigger than Lance Franklin. Uh, so, mate, do you want to say a few words about, about Lance Franklin and the contribution that he made to football? I mean, he's, he's probably the last in an era of genuine superstars. Now, there's plenty of good players out there, but Lance Franklin is in the same boat as Tony Lockett, the same boat as Gary Ablett Sr., the same boat as Bobby Skilton. And if you go through the eras, there's only ever one or two players like that in in each generation. And, and he was it. And, and at the moment, there's no one else like him. We've got to wait for the next one to come along. And, you know, he could set the world on fire. His talent, his ability, kicking goals, taking marks. Just his, his, what he was good at was how good his skills were around the ground 
hitting a target. It, it wasn't just kick, like he actually wasn't the best kick for goal. If you have a look at his his stats, he he was about four goals, three behinds was his average. Like he kicked so many behinds. It was around the ground as well, and and just the crowd erupts when he goes anywhere near the ball. And and at the moment there is no another no player like that. And as I said, there, there there hasn't been many throughout the whole 120 odd years of AFL, and he was certainly one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speed and power and skill. And when he'd move around on that arc onto his left and bang it home from outside 50, you know, just a very, such a special player. What about predictions for 2024? Well, I mean, there's a lot of improvement with some teams this year. Carlton finally made the finals and they'll improve again. I think the Swans picking up uh, Grundy and Taylor Adams, they're, they're huge pickups. And the Swans need to develop some more midfielders as well for them to improve, but I think they will definitely be an improvement. I think Collingwood will be up there again. North Melbourne, they'll get better. They got some good pickups in the draft. They did uh, lose um, uh, their big ruckman, uh, Toddy Goldstein, but I still think that you know North Melbourne improved. Um, look, I, I think there'll be some sides that will might maybe go backwards. Hawthorne, although in saying that, Hawthorne was showing towards the end of the year that they can get back to what they, they have been good at. So I think next year, this year was even. I think next year's going to be even more even competition. There's going to be, you know, 14 sides that could be vying for a top eight spot. Luffy, great to have you on the show, mate. For the final show of 2023, uh, sorry we've got to cut it short. All the best to you and your family for Christmas and the new year, and we'll catch you in 2024. No worries, guys. Gaz and Steve, have a great Christmas. The legend himself, Troy Luff. Uh, we've got to go to a break. Uh, after 10 o'clock this morning, Pat Farmer joining us. Tony Clark to talk rugby league at about 10.20 on SEN. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast with Steve Allen and Michael Butner on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Welcome back. We're live from Wyong Golf Course, final show of 2023. Just before we get to our next VIP guest, there's a guy here. He's wearing, like, rainbow-coloured shorts. He's got a cockatoo shirt on, and he's got lamb chops sideburns. I've never seen anyone on the putting surface for so long before they play around. Yeah, no, well, probably thinks he must need to do a bit of work on the putting, I would have thought, but I reckon... If that was me, spent that much time on the putting green, there'd be no chance of me sinking a putt out in the course. No chance in the wide world. My observation from his putting, he's a dead-eye dick. Yeah, right. Good. Yeah, Good. absolutely. Like, uh, a couple of times he's, you know, he's 30 feet away. Yep. And he's he's drained it. Right. That's what I mean. That's on the, that's on the practice putting surface. That's yeah. what I mean. You get out on that course, you're going to sink nothing. We should follow him and see how he goes. Hey, uh, <laughs> let's, miss him. let's rise as one, including Valentine Holmes, our technician extraordinaire. We've got ultramarathon legend Pat Farmer joining us this morning. Good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks so much. How are you, Steve? How are you going, Michael? Uh, we're well. Michael not here, but the guru, Gary uh, Birkinshaw, is alongside me. And congratulations on the run for The Voice. And have you been in the ice bath ever since? Uh, yeah, to be quite honest with you, I've been doing nothing but recovering since I got back. Uh, you know, I've still got some aches and pains. Uh, I think you recover. Uh, uh, it takes a lot longer for recovery the older that you get, but it's most important that you go through the process. So I've been getting a lot of massage. I've been spending a lot of time in the surf since I got back home. 
uh, just trying to loosen up the muscles as much as possible and get the, the blood still flowing through to a lot of that scar tissue that I that I got. And then aside from that, just light walks and, and trying to get the food into me as much as possible and stack on the weight again. Uh, I dropped, you know, I dropped down to around about 58 kilograms. I'm normally my my race weight is is uh, 60, 61. And 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 normal times I sit around about 65, 67. So um, I dropped a fair bit of weight. Is it fair to say this was the toughest challenge of your life? And I say that because I saw some of the footage down in Tasmania early in the run, and you were just absolutely battered by the weather extremes. Well, Steve, seems to be everything I take on is bloody difficult, you know. Um, uh, uh, you know, there's never an easy event. Whenever you're doing ultras or anything, you know, the long-distance swimmers, long-distance cyclists will tell you the same. There's never an easy event. So they're all as, as tough as uh, as tough as each other, and it's hard to single one out. Um, I wouldn't say it was the toughest thing I've ever done, but it's certainly, certainly up there, and it was a, an absolute challenge every single day. As you quite rightly say, Tasmania was all about snow and hail even and... Uh, and, and driving rain and strong winds as I head across to the west coast of, of Tassie. Anybody that knows that area knows that the Midlands and Strawn and Queenstown get pretty hairy from time to time. So, I, you know, I was dealing with that. And then, of course, uh, after I'd made my way right around the island of, of Tassie, I, I had to cross to Perth. And then it was the complete opposite. They'd only just had a... They'd had a cyclone there two weeks earlier on, and that wiped out a couple of the garage stations, a couple of the road stops, which meant that we had to travel like four or five hundred kilometres before we could get fuel and, and clean drinking water and even a replenishment of supplies. So, um, you know, the west coast of, of, of Western Australia was probably the hardest part of the whole journey. The temperatures were about 38 to 40 degrees constantly every single day with a strong headwind blowing down from Southeast Asia. Okay, Pat Gary here. Mate, you're an inspiration uh, for your run for everyone in the nation. What inspired you during the run? Oh, look, without a doubt, every single run I've ever done has not been for a trophy or a medal or it's not been about a prize purse or even status on a, on a podium. It's really all about trying to drive home messages. They either run the race funds for worthy causes or, in this case, to try and educate Australians as much as I possibly could about the up-and-coming referendum, which we've, which has been and gone. Uh, and um, it was all about trying to get the message through to them about how important it is that we can deliver decent service right on the ground, right to the ground for our Indigenous people right around the country. And to this date, uh, they haven't been recognised to the degree that they should have been, and, and they haven't, uh, you know, they haven't received that support on the ground. Uh, and that's because things have been driven from Canberra down instead of from the ground up. So that was one thing, and I, I felt very passionate about it, and it gave me the strength to push on day after day. And I still feel incredibly passionate about that, and I'll still keep working towards that course. You know, Pat, one day I looked at your Facebook, and I followed the run all the way through, and I thought, wow, there's 900 comments here. So I tell you, you definitely scratched an itch. And what was the undercurrent of feeling that you found when you're out on the road? Look, it, it was very, um, very diverse, to be honest with you. I, you know, uh, people were incredibly supportive to me and to what I was doing. 
Uh, they wanted to know more. Most people were very, very good. But then there were pockets of, of uh, people, uh, especially far north Queensland, and they were just outright nasty and mean and and didn't want to know anything about it though they you know they, they they felt the way that they did and that was all it was so to them things were very much black and white um and to most people around the country it's completely not that to them it was about trying to really find out more information about it and that's what i was there for to be a, to be an easily accessible information base Pat, to be an ultramarathon runner, I'll give you a full take my hat off to you, to be perfectly honest. So, on, on, a, on any given day, what's your schedule on any given day when you're out in the road? Uh, quite regularly. You know, every, everything's very well organised with every event I've ever done, whether it be the race across America from California to New York or whether it be a solo attempt at a record such as, you know, similar to this event. And so, um, you know, the days are structured, the kilometres are structured, so... 70 to 80 kilometres a day every single day. There is no days off in the whole journey from start to finish. So once you, once the gun goes off at the start and you make the commitment, it doesn't matter where the race goes for one day or whether it goes for, in this case, you know, six months. So what was that, 180 days? Uh, um, uh, there is no days off and close to two marathons per day every single day, regardless of weather conditions. And that's the big, the big kicker because you can't plan in advance what the weather's going to be like from one day to the next, let alone right around the whole country because it's definitely going to be diverse. So you just have to accept whatever comes and just dig in deep and just keep pushing on. And, you know, that's what the whole ultra scene's about. I tell you, I need a good lie down after just hearing two marathons per day every day. And could you tell us about the team behind Pat Farmer's Run for the Voice? Because there's no way in the world you could do it. And I know your daughter's a part of it as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Brooke lives. Uh, uh, she, she lives up here at Greenpoint on the on the coast. She's uh, always been just just a wonderful kid, and my son as well. You know, both, so both Brooke and Dylan came with me out on the road for different stints, but all when they could get away from work. Of course, my wife Tanya was with me for the full duration of the journey. Um, you know, I had my sister with me for half of the journey, and my eldest brother there for a bit of it another brother for another section of it and aside from that then i had um, a film crew that traveled with me or guys that i've used before in the run the length of vietnam and the middle east run that i did so they were out there with me i had a journalist with me for half of the journey so you know it was just wonderful people that believed in what i was doing and believed in me and saw this as a great opportunity to see some rural remote and unusual parts of australia that they wouldn't normally get the chance to uh, and to do it for a good reason and and so you know often with the events i do doesn't matter where in the world they are um i tend to attract that type of people that are just looking for a sense of adventure themselves Fourteen thousand four hundred kilometers and it finishes at uluru what is that moment like well i gotta tell you steve the day uh you know I, in my head, from the first step that I took down in Hobart, Tasmania, all I could think about, well, not all, but most of my thoughts were consumed with this picture in my mind of Uluru. And so to get uh, two days out of there and, and to see it for the first time uh, in the distance uh, uh, at the end of that day, 40 kilometres away from, uh, from the finish point, 
and to see it, it looked a, a purplish colour in the distance and it was just this magnificent rock that rose above everything else around the landscape. Uh, and uh, I started to cry, to be quite honest with you. It was a culmination of everything I'd been through to that point, the people I'd met, the things I'd, I'd suffered and endured to get to that point, our camping on the side of the road through many places and other places in caravan parks and it was just a culmination of everything coming together to that point and just knowing that the job is finally going to get done. Yeah, unbelievable. That is, that is just brilliant, Pat. Yeah. So, so and, and, you know, like when he said about shedding tears, 40 kilometres from the finish, when I watched my son and his great mate uh, CJ Beaumont do the Sydney Marathon, there's people crying that day. And that's, that's one marathon and it's in 35 degrees soaring temperatures and the emotion that comes out of a lot of people nearing the finish or even through the middle of the run. So not surprising that, you know, uh, Pat's speechless before he gets to Uluru. Yeah, look, I... I yeah. Just, sorry, you go, Pat. No, yeah, look, I, I just I just want to say, you know, I, I never, ever belittle any achievement, anybody, whether it's a 5K fun run, whether it's 10K, a half marathon, a marathon, no matter what it is, because... It's, it's, you know, everybody puts everything into whatever they're doing. And, uh, but in every, one of the things that is a common denominator in the running business is you get to a point, say, three quarters of the way through it all, and you have to dig deep and find everything that you've got. And that's what makes the finish line, the half marathon and marathon, so incredibly special. And uh, even, even in a multi day, you just, you just project in your mind to the finish and you still go through exactly the same thing. I remember Rob DiCostello saying to me one time, of course, he was, you know, one of the greatest. Uh, and Rob said to me, he said, you know, like, I just had so much admiration for every single person that, that digs deep and tries to discover this new self within themselves. And that's, that sums it all up. Yeah, fantastic. So, so what next, Pat? What's your, your next goal? Uh, good question. Uh, right <laughs> at this point in time, I'm, I'm, I'm concentrating on uh, just recovery. I, I did, uh, you know, I did end up with a little bit of knee soreness and a, a few aches and pains I, I'm recovering from. My skin was incredibly badly damaged because no matter what I put on it, I was just out there in the elements for so long. So I'm, I'm trying to give myself a bit of time to recover. But uh, um, undoubtedly, you know, I had the 60 Minutes crew speak to me uh, just recently and they, they, you know, they asked me, you know, when am I going to give this business up? And I said, I'm, uh, you know, the day I die because I think that whatever I can continue to be an inspiration to other people, whatever I can continue to use my sport as a means to communicate good messages and to help other people then... Yeah, I, I feel that worth in my life. So uh, th I haven't planned another event at the moment, but there will definitely be other events. And I may even try and organise a few small fun events on the Central Coast here. I was only thinking this morning when I was walking along the beach here at Cabana, how I need to get, get back and organise my quicksand run again, which is... Uh, basically a soft sand run on the beach that does uh, it's a 5k a 10k a half marathon and a marathon in soft sand uh, oh. and then and then pick a charity pick a charity and and encourage people to participate in those events and and do something locally so i'm pretty keen to get into that now hey pat 
Uh, despite The Voice, the Yes campaign not being successful in 2023, do you feel like the conversation was healthy and do you feel like some of those remote communities in particular will get the grassroots funding and the support they need? Well, the problem is it'll take time and they needed, uh, you know, every day that ticks by in those remote communities is a day that, you know, another another kid ends up, you know, off the rails and headed for headed for custody. Uh, uh, another day without an education for for other other children. Um, the health benefits uh, are lacking in these communities big time. So, you know, I'm I, I'm really keen to make sure that people people sort of reflect on everything that's happened, especially the government and the, and the opposition, and they say, okay, well, we know what the problems are. We know that people are concerned that the money's not getting to the ground. Uh, that there has been millions, in fact, billions of dollars spent over over the years, over many many years. Uh, so it's most important that things hit the ground and we do try and change those lives. So I think there is a sense of, of everybody now realising that something absolutely has to be done about the situation and that was a good thing that came out of the whole scenario. Yeah. Gee, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, congratulations too because this coming Thursday night you're one of the finalists for Sports Person of the Year at the Sports Central Coast Awards along with... Uh, yeah, a couple of amazing athletes from the coast, including some former winners. Mac Graham's one of them. Nicola Oleschlager's also on that list. Nico Hines is there as well. And there's a few others, but congratulations to you, Pat, a worthy finalist this coming Thursday night. Well, once again, thanks, Steve. But it, it's, it's just nice to be in great company. I, I take my hat off to all sportsmen and women because they're people that, that know how... To set goals for themselves and then they work hard to achieve those goals uh, and, they, and they know what it's like to push their body beyond beyond limits so it's just nice to always be hanging around sportsmen and women and to be in that sort of company so I feel very very privileged to have that honour Yeah, another standing ovation for the great Pat Farmer, ultra marathon legend, thank you mate, we'll catch up with you soon I look forward to it, thanks again, cheers guys Pat Farmer joining us. Off to a break. We're back in just a few moments' time. Tony Clark will join us to talk highlights from the National Rugby League season 2023 on SEN. Robson Civil. 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Welcome back. Beautiful day at Wyong Golf Course. Absolutely loving it. And Guru, you do some moonlighting here, is that correct? Yes, I do. I um, on the front desk do a bit of uh, customer service work and uh, look after look after membership. So uh, really enjoy my time here. Yeah, director of first impressions out there. Correct. Correct. Do you wear the Richmond Tigers gear? The, on the, the only gear you're allowed to wear here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, joining us now to talk highlights of the National Rugby League season 2023. It's our great mate, multiple premiership winner as a player and also a coach on the Central Coast and also involved at National Rugby League level with both the Manly Sea Eagles and also the Newcastle Knights and nowadays working with the North Sydney Bears as well, the famous Bears. Tony Clark, good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Gaz, and thanks for that uh, introduction, Steve. <laughs> Very good of you. Great to have you, mate. And your highlights of 2023, I guess we've got to start with the big one where it looked like Brisbane 
would claim their first NRL trophy since 2006. Suddenly, a masterclass from Nathan Cleary. Yeah, definitely. I think the fat lady was getting on stage to sing for the Broncos, wasn't she? But she turned around again and uh, it was, uh, yeah, that is undoubtedly the highlight of the season for me to do for a, for a team to do the three-feed, not, not since, you know, the, the, the legendary Parramatta team of, you know, 81, 82, 83. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's just quite incredible. And, and you know, who's, who's to say that it's not going to be four next year? Yeah, some unsung heroes in that game too. So I think Moses Leota is one of them. And... Yeah, a young man from the Central Coast who's now off to the Newcastle Knights, Jack Cogger, is definitely another one. Oh, 100%, Stephen, what you say. He's, uh, I know that we spoke yesterday about, you know, to, to, to see some improvement in players, and, and Jack's, uh, he's on the podium. I mean, you know, to get in that environment and, and never, ever in all the opportunities he's had looked like he was out of place in, uh, in, in anything. And, uh, and I'm really excited for Jack because he's such a wonderful young man, uh, you know, about his future at the Knights. TC, Gary here, mate. Uh, mate, who are some of the other young players who really impressed you throughout the year? Oh, I guess I, I can't go past our own Scotty Drinkwater. I mean, it's, it's, he's just had a, a standout year. I think he was, I'll stand corrected, but I think he was, you know, third or fourth in the Dally M. And I haven't seen, well, you know, other than Nathan Cleary, of course, but, but just the uh, presence he had on, on each and every game for the Cowboys, you know, and... Uh, He's only, you know, he's just going to grow a leg next year. And, you know, a terrible product comes from a wonderful family, Grant and Maureen. And, uh, you know, of course, their brother, Josh, who's, who's plying his trade in the, the English Super League. But, yeah, to me, Scotty was just uh, out and out, um, you know, uh, uh, as I said, top three, uh, you know, during the year. Well, I think the biggest rap on Scotty is Michael Butner believes that Scott's the most skillful fullback in the competition. And look at what he does on that right edge with the Cowboys. Your thoughts, TC? Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, he, he, the influence that he had and, and, and taking the pressure off the halves. It's really funny, stuff. I went to a lunch yesterday and Paul Gallen was the guest speaker and he spoke of Billy Slater, um, of, of, of what he was doing. And he mentioned, Paul Gallen said, he said the closest he's seen to Billy is, uh, is Scotty Drinkwater. And, uh, uh, you know, as I said, the world's his oyster and I just can't wait, um, you know, for him to, to hit the ground running in 2024. You know, you mentioned about the Dally M's, and this is something I'm disappointed in. You can't see where Scott finished. And I've looked extensively because they had him on the leaderboard when you watched the, the telecast that night, and I think he was running second or third. But then suddenly he's been erased from the record books. Gaz, do they do, they do that in the AFL with the Brownlow? Like, or do you have an asterisk there? You have an asterisk. So if you... If you've been suspended or ineligible to win the award, your, your votes all still count. You just get an asterisk alongside your name. So it doesn't get erased. So Scotty misses some games, TC, but he should be still incredibly proud of his entire season, the best that he's had. Oh, definitely, definitely. That's a strange rule, isn't it? I didn't realise that. It, um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it was undoubtedly the best best he's had. And, and, and I know, and I think... Um, uh, with uh, I, I read with interest that Jimmy Maloney is, uh, is is now forming part of the, the Cowboys coaching staff. Again, I can just see Jimmy helping uh, helping Scotty, you know, take go, go to another level. You know, I, I think there's some exciting times for the Cowboys ahead. If we're talking breakout years for players, I know I've said this on this show before, but I think the ten minutes that Ezra Mam had in this year's grand final. Yeah, you know, despite what Nathan did late in the game, I think that 10-minute period is the greatest 10 minutes of a grand final I've ever seen. A hat-trick of tries and your team lose. Uh, but what a season for the Brisbane 5-8. Oh, 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and, and what such a wonderful brand of footy. And I'll tell you, that 10 minutes, Steve, has put a couple of noughts on his contracts too, hasn't he? He's, um, you know, just, uh, uh, again, you know, reading with interest, the Dolphins have come up with a mammoth offer for him. And you can see why, because he, uh, it was just an outstanding performance. But, um, uh, you know, we, we thought, as we said, that we thought the Broncos were, uh, were going to hold the shield up. TC, what did you make of the Pacific Championship final? New Zealand ambushed Australia again and uh, in, in big fashion, this time 30 to nil. So what did you make of that? Yeah, I don't know what to make of it because I know in the, uh, in the other one, the, the New Guineans and the Fijians was the, was the result. You know, I think the Fiji gave it to Papua New Guinea and then that turned around the week after. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of it. I think that, that the Pacific Championship... You know, is I think they I think they they went to the well one too many times. I don't think there was that much interest in it, Steve. I mean, and uh, Gaz and uh, and of course, uh, Steve and I spoke about the poor performances to Moa. You know, who were World Cup finalists not long ago, and now um, you know they, they were they were getting hammered every week. So yeah, I, I it didn't grab my attention to be honest. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think TC told me yesterday that uh, you know maybe season too long, not a whole lot at stake and not a whole lot of interest from a lot of stakeholders. TC, can you stay with us? We want to pepper you with a few more questions after the news. Definitely. It's keeping me off the concrete barrier, so I'm very happy, lads. It's uh, bang on 10.30, the show all thanks to Robson Civil Projects. I noticed, too, on social media, thrilled to announce their latest project, Shortland Waters Retirement Living, a stunning community nestled within the picturesque Shortland Waters golf course. Robson's been selected by the client to lead the civil works for 74 independent living units. That just sounds beautiful. Am I painting a good picture? You are. Tell you what, full credit to them. They've got the right people to do the job too. So, so well done to them and certainly well done to Robson's. Absolutely. Off to the news. Back in a moment. Saturdays on the coast on SEN. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Coming to you live from Wyong Golf Course and loving it on this back deck. Paint a picture for our listeners, Burko. So we're overlooking the putting green. Away to our right is the first tee. There's a beautiful little uh, par three. Yeah, that's the 15th. And nice to go into there and sort of like a... Uh, sort of like a three-tier green. It sort of goes up and rises in the middle. So that's uh, that's a very, very good good par three. Looking straight in front of us, that's the ninth just past the putting green as well. Put a, little, a longer par three. Big uh, big swing on the putt there on the ninth. So. Yeah, challenging too with bunkers on the left and right, right at the entry yeah. to yeah. that green. And you said earlier, the course just looks superb at the moment. It's like Flushing Meadows in New York. It, it is. You'd go there and you um, and they just they called the greens last week, which means they just put the holes in the green, aerate them, and put sand over them. You wouldn't know. Normally it takes a, you know, a couple of weeks, a month to actually for them to come back, but you wouldn't know. They look fantastic. Hey, just before I forget, huge shout out to uh, Blake Fafaro back at headquarters, uh, steering the ship from Melbourne this morning and uh, filling in for Adam Staples, who's been with us the entire year. And at this show, we love Adam and what he's done for us. Uh, just a terrific young kid. Uh, Blake, can you throw the microphone on there, my friend? Uh, good to have you steering the ship down there in Melbourne. Yes, good morning. How is everyone going? Yeah, we're well, mate. And you're a West Coast Eagles fan? Uh, y- yes, uh, un- 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 unfortunately, for the last uh, couple of years. But look, in the 30 years that I've been alive, we've only been bad really, well, from what I can remember, at least twice. So, I mean, this is probably 
the worst uh, probably we've ever seen of of any football club to be totally well that's what it felt like this year but um look we'll get the number one pick uh, uh on monday well assuming we, we will anyway because uh looks like the offers from north and hawthorne aren't probably going to be good enough so we'll take pick one and we'll take harley reed and uh bring on next year i guess we have to remember the Eagles won a premiership in 2018. Yeah, so, so, exactly. So you, wouldn't, you wouldn't exactly call they're in the middle of a, a big drought with your premiership. Yeah. Drought. No, you know exactly. What? I think it's just because it was. It's. I think it's because it's been so bad. Like, like because teams, you know, fair enough. We're probably expected to drop off a little bit, but I wasn't really expecting it to be, you know, this catastrophic. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I thought their window, like I still thought they were the best team. I think it was through the COVID period. I'm surprised they didn't win a second flag, but. Maybe a bridge too far with being in hubs. Like their yeah. list was still their list was still good enough. Let's get back to TC. We've kept him waiting patiently. Uh, TC predictions for 2024. Who do you think over overachieved this year and might slide? And you've already said that you think the Panthers could. I mean, that would be astronomical if they made it four in a row. Yes, it, 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 it would be. And as we said, I think, as you said earlier, uh, when we first started, Steve, I think Moses will be out of, uh, Oh, no, Spencer Lee is going to the Roosters, and he's a major signing for the Roosters. I can see a, a, a marked improvement for them with their roster. I think if they don't improve, I think it'll be Trent Robinson's last year. That's a, that's a prediction. I think he'll be under enormous pressure. Um, I see the Cowboys um, bouncing back, um, you know, from their end. And I know we say it every year, but uh, you know, a man, a man, a Melbourne, um, a Melbourne going to have a year of uh, you know uh, of not making the eight. Um, so yeah, I don't think Melbourne will make the eight. I think the Roosters will have to improve, or Trent Robinson, Robin, Robinson will get. Uh, he'll be looking for a job, and um, I believe that uh, it'll be Broncos Penrith again in the grand final. One more question about the NRL, and then we'll discuss local footy and also the Denton Cup, but. Uh, uh, do you think the Newcastle Knights overachieved, and what do you see their 2024 looking like? Uh, probably not overachieved. I mean, they, they, they have a very good roster. I sort of see them in a similar in a similar position. You know, uh, uh, they. Um, I, I think the stability now is really going to help them. I mean, there's no chatter about. Well, I think um, Adam O'Brien re-signed for two years, which should take all the all the rubbish talk away with Adam. Um, uh, you know, I think they've. Uh, I think Dominic Young's a huge loss for them. Um, you know, like, I mean, some of the, I don't know how many times he scored, you know, two, three, four tries in a game. Um, but, you know, they've, they've signed, you know, with Jack and, and Jack Cogger and another couple of people. But, yeah, no, I, I see them, you know, around that eighth, ninth position. So, that. All right, TC, uh, local footy, Tukli go back to back. Now, that is monumental, isn't it? Because, yeah, I, I'm just so glad they weren't one-hit wonders and they did it again against the Arena Eagles. Absolutely, it, it, it's equivalent of of, uh, of, of Penrith's achievement, you know, at, at, at grassroots footy. You know, it, it, it's just what what um, Jake Fitzpatrick and the hardworking committee uh, have done up there for rugby league in the northern zone is, is, is you know, you can't it's, you can't overstate it, Steve. You know, and, it, and it's something that uh, um, you know has brought brought everything together with the juniors, the seniors. Uh, one of the biggest signings, I think, for 2024 is uh, Grant Wooden, the great man who's going to coach an under-19 team. They, they've struggled to have an under-19 team, um, but uh, Grant's taken the job on, and I'm sure he'll he'll put a squad together because, as we know, you know you need you need those 17, 18, 19-year-olds to come through, you know, to to, to be your next uh, great player. So that's that's a major coup for for the Hawks, and uh, 
Yeah, uh, again, talking to um, a couple of the boys that, uh, you know, everyone's hanging around again and uh, they'll be very, very hard to beat. Denton Cup, two of our powerhouse clubs, both made the finals. In fact, they played each other in fourth versus fifth. So the entrance up against the Wyong Roos. And great to see both of those clubs in the final series. But in the end, Maitland just far too good. And Gary just told me a moment ago off the air that Maitland went on to win the state championships, creaming St. Mary's. Yeah, they did. The President's Cup uh, was quite incredible, the way led by Alex and Dan Langridge. Uh, you know, two local boys again uh, from, from the Tukley area. Yeah, they, they were incredible. It'll be, it's an interesting competition, Steve. The, the, the gap between the haves and the have-nots in the Newcastle comp is, uh, is quite uh, defined. Um, Maitland will continue, you know, with the, with, with the ex-NRL players. Uh, very interestingly, um, one of the best coaches ever, and I've, I've worked with him for five years, is Rip Taylor's t- taken on the curry-curry job. Uh, signed Blake Ferguson and very close to signing Josh Dugan. So I can see marked improvements from, from Curry and also, you know, of course, under Rip's tutelage, you know, he's, he's without peer in, uh, in country footy. So uh, uh, there'll be improvements. I'm hearing that the entrants um, have recruited well uh, and, of course, they've always had a, a strong junior base. So, uh, you know, uh, I think they'll put all the, the drama they had, you know, a little bit earlier on all, all to one side and, uh, and certainly concentrated the job at hand. I haven't I heard think... too much about the Ruse, sorry. But, yeah, I haven't heard too much about the Ruse signings. But, um, again, you know, you, you can imagine with their junior base that, um, that they'll be, uh, you know, very competitive. The uh, the Tigers, I think they've signed a number seven that uh, we know very well and love, but I think it's still under wraps. We can't announce that live on the air. TC, I guess the other highlight for you is another fantastic year at all levels for the Danica Clark Foundation. Yeah, quite incredible, Steve, actually. Um, again, there was an Eagles plumbing, uh, plumbing supplies lunch yesterday, and, of course, they've been with us since day one with the foundation, and uh, Brett did a wonderful... Uh, tribute to the foundation on the big screen, and uh, and again, as you know, you, you've been with us from day one too. You, we we probably take a little bit for granted, but it's nice to sit back, see what we've done, uh, and and the kids that we've helped uh, is is yeah, very very uh, humbling. You know, as you know, it gives us a, a sense of purpose to continue to you know to be able to honour our beautiful girl, and uh, yeah, something I'm extremely proud of, and and we're you know, and again. Looking forward, you know, to, to uh, inducting the, the class of 24. You know, it's always an exciting time as a board, uh, you know, when we do it with our selection committee. So, yeah, it is. It's, um, it, it's humbling. And, and if we can continue to play the role we do on the Central Coast, you know, it, it makes my family extremely proud. So that. Yeah, well, you just reminded me, scholarships open 1st of December and close late January. TC, thanks so much for your time. You've been outstanding this morning. All the best. We'll catch you at the Sports Central Coast Awards on Thursday night. Yeah, looking forward to that, Steve. It'll be, it'll be a great night. And uh, thanks for having me and all the best uh, for the festive season ahead. The great Tony Clark, multiple premiership winner as a player and coach and just a champion, absolute champion bloke and lots of love to his entire family. Off to a break. We're back soon with... Butes' top three, done by Burko, and Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week, sponsored by Slime Sports Store for the final time in 2023 on SEN. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back, and don't forget tomorrow night, 
Uh, we have live exclusive coverage of the World Cup final, the ICC World Cup, Australia versus India. We said we'd talk a little more about India, Guru. Uh, your thoughts, I mean, you said that they will have to be off their game for us to hoist the championship trophy for the sixth time. Yeah, you're right there. They've um, you know, finals are a different different game, but so you look through the Indian lineup. There's not too many weaknesses. They've got good batting depth. Everyone's scoring runs in there throughout through their batting lineup. They've got power for right from the top with Rohit Sharma and Gill, and um, then you've got Kohli who's having a tournament. Arias through the middle there. But then you look at their bowling and they've got Boomer, they've got new balls, and then they've got Jadeja and Cool Deep with the spin. They've, they've just got a lot of areas covered. So they haven't really been pushed this World Cup. So if Australia can put some pressure, I'd love to see them bat and bat really well and get a really big total and see if India can chase it down. What a score the other night, four for 397. I thought the Kiwis were, I thought their run chase was fairly impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, look, look, they didn't do too much wrong, New Zealand. India was just too dominant. From from the first ball where Sharma just come out, and you know, he gets 48 off 26 balls. It just sets the sets the m momentum going. And Kohli is in just rare form at the moment, so he just stabilises the whole innings. And I think the Kiwis, if you go back and look at the highlights, they hold out in the deep a lot, didn't they? Well, when you have to go at 10 and 12 runs and over, which where it got to, you've, you've just got to take those risks. The innings that Daryl Mitchell played, 134 of 119 balls, was phenomenal. But it, it just, yeah, 12 runs and over means it's a boundary and over. A boundary, one or two boundaries and over. And Kaldeep coming in, I think he bowled two overs towards, in the 40s, the overs there. I think he went for five runs off his two overs. So that just, you know, the run rate just balloons out. Yeah. Hey, let's do this for the final time in 2023. You're filling in for Buttes. Let's roll in the intro. Buttes top three. All right, Gaz, take it away. Right, has got a bit of a cricket feel about it. So my, my number three at the moment is uh, is an Indian star in Virat Kohli. 50th, broke the record for the most number of one-day international uh, centuries. That was 50. I heard, heard of one of the uh, really top top cricketers turn around and say, if you play 50 one-day international, you've had a fantastic career. Virat Kohli scored 50 one-day 100. So uh, Kane Williamson came out and said playing the best cricket of his, his career at the moment. So you can't knock that there. Number two, a bit of a... Oh, just yeah. before you continue, how do the Aussies get him out? Like, what would your tactics be? And you know that the Australian team have been listening to Saturdays on the coast. Well, I think you've just got to build the pressure around him. I think you've really got to make sure that if you're bowling well, just bowling consistent to your plans. And... I think probably the way you, you, you might bog him down a little bit if he can't score. People can think he may be a little bit selfish, but I, I think if you just try and get him early, caught behind like everyone else does. You know, they'll, they'll all nick off early if you can get the good ball, but he's in good form at the moment. So if they can get him out for less than 50, that'll be a great result. Well, Pat Cummins, you'll take that on board. Thank, thank you, Pat. Do that. That's why your captaincy has improved out of sight by listening to us on Saturdays on the case. <laughs> Righto. Number two, a little bit left field here. We haven't spoken much about this at all, but the Sydney Swans AFLW team go through their inaugural season last year without a win. They're playing in a preliminary final this evening against Adelaide uh, Crows over in Adelaide, so well done to them. They've been fantastic. And just the inclusion of a couple of new players, Chloe Malloy and uh, a girl Gardner, have just turned this side around. Do you give them a chance against the juggernaut? That is the Crows. Um, I do, because I think it's a bit like the Giants. They're just on a roll at the moment. No one expected them. They've won a lot of games at the back end. And I do give them a chance. The Crows upset last week um, by the Brisbane Lions. So, yeah, I do give them a chance, but they'll need to be at their best. And is this your number one or is this your number three? No, this is, a, this is, a, this is three votes. Three yeah. votes. So three votes. Australian men's cricket side. Another World Cup final. Um, they've done it. 
they've done well. They lost their first two games. Everyone wrote them off, including you, Steve. Well, actually, actually, it's me, actually. Uh, <laughs> and they've got through. They love the underdog status. And they've just come through now, and they've got a lot of players in good form, not as many as what India have got, but should be. I hope it's a classic contest because I think the World Cup deserves it. Depends what pitch India turns up with. Of course, that's probably always, you know, there's in conspiracy around the pitch, conspiracy around the coin toss, plenty of conspiracies going over there in the World Cup in India. Yeah. And that's it. So, so that's my top three there. So the men's cricket was number one. Virat Kohli was number three. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, that is Butes' top three for the final time in 2023. Coming up next, all thanks to Slime's board store, Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week on SEN. Robson Civil, 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. Live from Way on Golf Course, our final four minutes of 2023. Steve Allen, Gary Birkinshaw, alongside us, Valentine Holmes, technician extraordinaire, Blake Fafaro back at headquarters. About to do Steve O's Sports Person of the Week, but you reminded me, Gaz. One of the highlights of 2023, without doubt, the 6-1 demolition of Melbourne City by the Central Coast Mariners. A win for the ages. Oh, how good was that? That was You talk about t- being taken on a ride. The Mariners, what they did throughout the season, especially the back end after that, that last international break, that the final, I think it was four or five weeks, and then throughout the finals was just brilliant. The whole Central Coast were behind them. And then to go and do what they did to Melbourne City in that grand final was just phenomenal. Yeah, a lot of banter too. There was a little bit of push and shove on the field. The Vibe manager, Andy Bernal, also known as the Wizard of Oz, the first Australian to play professionally in Spain, he was involved in some shenanigans on the pitch before kickoff. On the road to the grand final, we defeat Adelaide a couple of times, and there's a fair bit of banter between both of those clubs. And then Nick Montgomery, what a story. The first manager who actually wore the shirt. And just, I mean, you'll talk about it for generations to come, won't you? 6 1 in a grand final by the team on the lowest budget in the A League. That's right. You just, you know. <laughs> David and Goliath, when you look at the, you know, the, the, the dollars spent, I suppose, and the reputation across the league, and, and the, it was, that, that night, well, just people who were there, or people who just watched it, it was something you'll always remember, and that atmosphere there was just phenomenal. And for them to win that, was, you know, it was a story that you know, won for the ages, but, but well done and certainly engrossed the whole community. Yeah. A uh, shout-out to my mum who's listening. She's down from Queensland. Biggest fan of the show and uh, often will uh, leave some comments on Facebook. She loves the show. So to Mandy Allen, love your mum. Can't wait to see you later on today. Uh, my best mate on the coast, Pete Lang, celebrating his 60th birthday tonight. So... Uh, we'll get there early and stay late. Uh, maybe last man standing. Uh, looking forward to it. Congratulations, mate. He's a legend in life saving. So well done to Pete Lang. And there'll be some some interesting people there. Some be some who's who's there tonight. They tell me too, well, Steve. Well, apart from yourself. Well, we hope so. Hey, let's roll in the intro for the final segment of the day. Steve-O's sports person of the week. To Slimes Board Store, and uh, I tell you, if you're looking for a Christmas gift and you want to get someone into surfing, check out the MF Softboard. You can lay by, you can zip pay, but this is a fun way. So it's not fiberglass. You'll never hurt yourself. And talk to the team at Slimes. If you want something super fun and radical, then maybe check out the Rob Machado or Mercado. Uh, it's a fish. 
looks like it's a quad fin setup, and that would be awesome fun this summer. Okay, Perko, you said to me that Nicola Oleschlagers, she probably gets Steve O's Sports Person of the Year because I think she won like five or six throughout the year. The very first Steve O Sports Person of the Week was a young lady, Stella O'Brien, who came second in the Cole Classic Ocean Swim down in Sydney in the 1K event. That's what Steve O Sports Person of the Week is all about. It's about grassroots sport. This week, it goes to, and for the second time this year, or maybe the third time, goes to Joel Vaughan who finished second in the Taiwan Open and had almost the perfect heat in the semi-final. He eventually went down to a young man from Angari on the mid-north coast or the far north coast, Dakota Walters. So Joel Vaughan from North Shelley Board Riders gets Steve-O's Sports Person of the Week. Thanks to Valentine Holmes. Thanks, Gary, for everything you've done this year. Thanks to Butte, who's away. We'll catch you in 2024.